This is Vicky Price with All Out Economics number 18. Vicky, thank you for talking to your All Out Economics series once again. If we look at the UK economy at the moment, the headlines are dominated by Brexit. But I know that you think the government hasn't been listening to the voice of business. Why is that? I think politics has intervened very significantly since the referendum. I think politics has been so polarised and the intention of at least achieving what the referendum said came above everything else in public policy. A lot of things were ignored and of course businesses knew full well that leaving the EU was bad for them and they did not necessarily argue against the Brexit referendum decision or at least vote, but they were quite keen to ensure that trade could flow as easily as possible still with the EU. They made all sorts of representations and tried to get government to listen to them. Businesses had loads of meetings with officials, but it didn't really seem to get them anywhere. So we had a long period during which business interests were basically ignored and the frustration grew as a result. And in a week where Boris Johnson's government seems to have grown more fragile, not stronger, and the attempt by him to prorogue Parliament seems to have backfired with opposition parties joining together to now pass today a Brexit extension bill ruling out no deal on the 31st of October 2019. Do you think that will appease and placate business leaders or might it just lead to more uncertainty? What the whole situation shows is that there is no clear way ahead and for businesses that have been frustrated for such a long period of time with this uncertainty and not investing, this just adds to greater uncertainty. Of course, it's much better to at least have the, the possibility of not having a no-deal scenario, which they all fear, and maybe end up with something much more benign, which will allow a period of transition and so on, like we thought originally was going to be the case under Theresa May's withdrawal deal. And there's still a possibility that something like that might emerge, backstop or no backstop, depends what happens there. But they would prefer to have a deal without any doubt. The no-deal scenario is a pretty bad one for them, so they will be happier. And we've seen perhaps Sterling as well be acting relatively positively as a result, but let's see how long that lasts. What they fear probably is that there will be another election which will perhaps muddy the waters. Uh, so far, that is likely to be... Um, delayed. Uh, it's not going to be immediate, but it will happen, and it will happen pretty soon. So uh, uncertainty hasn't gone away by any means. But Caroline Fairburn of the CBI did show some optimism towards the Brexit withdrawal agreement that ruled out the no deal, because she said that at least it's a chink of light for business, but they're still having to stockpile, and they're not said to be as ready as they were when we were supposed to leave the EU at the end of March this year. So, as you say, uncertainty is continuing, but business hasn't had enough time to prepare for no deal. Well, business has had quite enough time to get used to the idea of Brexit, but certainly no deal wasn't a very high probability for quite some time. It's become a bigger probability now. Remember, the markets always thought the no deal maybe was either 0 or 15%, no more than that. And they upped it to about 30%. Now, of course, it, looks, it looked for a while like 50%. The truth is that even if there is you know, final sort of attempt to get uh, an extension, and Boris Johnson agrees to do it, so far he said he, hasn't, he doesn't want to do so, 
there could be an election that intervenes and results have come out of it and whoever is Prime Minister might decide, particularly if it is Boris Johnson, decide to just ignore this and indeed go for a no deal after all. Or we could leave by accident if there is no solution in the meantime and if he really does not go to ask the EU for an extension or if the EU doesn't give him an extension. So it's not as if we're completely over the problems that businesses have been facing for quite some time. And stockpiling is very expensive. They did it all back in March. And of course, what we saw as a result was our GDP grew, to, in fact, not doing anything at all for a while. The business investment grew in the first quarter as well, again, after falling for every quarter in the previous year. It's a very expensive business for them to do this again. Warehouses are reportedly already full. Um, and of course, remember, we've had a lot of destocking that's taken place since, and hence why the economy contracted in the second quarter. The likelihood is we'll have stagnation this quarter, which means nobody really has been building up stocks again. And uh, there could be perhaps a month or a month and a half of frantic rebuilding of stocks, but it's not going to be sufficient, I think, to bring the economy up. And I think firms, the big ones have already done it and are ready, if you like. The smaller firms simply can't afford to carry on doing so. And they don't know the conditions under which they will trade. But if we look at these economic commentators, you referred to it, but UK factory output falls at its fastest for seven years, according to one survey. A lack of investment in the UK economy is also troubling business leaders with calls for more infrastructure funding. And then if you look to the world tensions over global trade, Trump and China will or won't they resume trade talks. Germany too doesn't escape the negative headlines. Factory output drops as economic gloom deepens in Germany. There's a world trend that's leading towards recession. Will, Vicky, the UK economy fall into recession? Do you think it will? It's possible, um, but the government is quite determined to prevent that from happening, of course. We already have had the Chancellor announce all sorts of extra spending that he intends to make over the next financial year, which, of course, still keeps him within his financial sort of uh, headroom, which he had, and the financial rules that were developed by Philip Hammond, which, remember, were already considerably weaker than the ones which George Osborne had set up for the government that he was involved in at the time. He was chancellor, so he can do that, and he knows that he needs to do it to make sure the economy doesn't contract. And, of course, he did say in his speech just a few days ago that he was also going to be looking at whether he wanted to amend those fiscal rules, and he'd be working with the Bank of England to see what more can be done to ease conditions in the economy. So they are well aware that slowdown is coming, and they are concerned about a no deal, but also just not the no deal itself, but the fact that a business environment has deteriorated, confidence has gone down, the consumer is worried as well. So all that doesn't help at all in terms of ensuring that the economy continues to grow at the rate that we'd like to see it grow. So yeah, stagnation, possibly a slowdown. Again, maybe a contraction. So if we have two quarters, that will be a recession. But uh, if we leave without the deal, then we'll have more of a fall in GDP. And the OBR suggested that it will be at least 2% in 2020, 2021. So your take on Sajid Javid's autumn statement, $13.8 billion for health, education and police. Every department will 
get an increase in spending day to day, he has said, in line with inflation, and that's the end of austerity. Is that blatant electioneering, or is it, as you say, just trying to rescue the UK economy from the trouble it's headed for? Well, it's both. It looked like very much it was both. But of course, we were due to have a spending review, and uh, everybody had been expecting there would be some extra spending because basically the deficit has been reduced to where it should be, more or less, in terms of uh, a percentage of GDP. So there was room, and the expectation was that there would be some reversal of the very uh, substantial cuts we've seen before. The truth is, if you look at the spending review for the next year, assuming it happens, who knows who's going to be chancellor in the future, if there is a change of government. But if you look at what is planned to be spent, uh, we're still uh, about a third below in terms of overall spending for the departments than we were before the cut started in 2010. So uh, we haven't recovered. The question is, of course, what's going to happen after that? And if you have a, a contraction or a real slowdown in the economy, even if you don't have recession, then that room for manoeuvre becomes a lot less, and therefore they're going to need to do a lot more in terms of how much they borrow. Because, of course, you know, if unemployment starts rising and welfare demands increase and so on, then uh, if you don't take enough in corporation tax, if the economy slows down, business are not doing well, then that affects quite significantly your revenue. So you're going to need to borrow probably considerably more than what's been assumed in your spending review. So we'll need to see what whoever it is, does for years two and three. Because, as I said, spending review is meant to be for three years. We've only had one, leaving the rest undone for the moment. So a lot can be added to it, in my view. And we can easily borrow, probably, because the market is still prepared to lend to governments at very low rates. Then finally, Vicky, do you agree with the former Chancellor Philip Hammond's description of Treasury forecasts of a 90 billion hit to the UK economy from Brexit as terrifying. It's Hammond who's been leading the charge with those other 21 Tory rebels and voted against their own government to get that withdrawal Brexit amendment bill through. He seems to want to stop no deal at any cost because of fears for the UK economy. Do you agree that no deal has to be stopped at any cost? I think no deal, of course, has to be stopped. I never thought no deal would ever happen because it makes no political sense or economic sense, and obviously Parliament thinks the same. So if we just ignore that for the moment, Brexit itself, in whatever form it comes, is going to be bad for the UK economy anyway because we'll be growing a lot more slowly, I have done already, than would otherwise be the case. So if you're thinking of the hit to the economy, we've already had 3% lower growth than we would otherwise have had. We had contraction in GDP last quarter, which... You know, we wouldn't have expected to have. Of course, the world is slowing down anyway. Germany also has had contraction. And, of course, we're seeing the U.S. slowing down. And uh, quite a lot of monetary authorities are thinking of doing probably what the Bank of England will have to do eventually, which is bringing down interest rates, already doing it in the U.S. Uh, we'll see a lot more measures in terms of monetary relaxation in Europe um, because uh, European growth is slowing down too and inflation has come down very significantly. So so we're not alone, but we seem to have uh, added to this lots of self-inflicted wounds uh, because of Brexit. So any Brexit would be bad, but of course a no deal if it were to happen. It would mean that we have to borrow an awful lot more. The, the, the forecast made by the Institute of Fiscal Studies and others are that we need to borrow probably an extra 30 billion each year 
as a result of that. So our debt will be going up. We're not going to have to be paying an awful lot more. And we probably will have to borrow a lot more anyway under any Brexit scenario. So I don't think it's just stopping no deal at any cost. If it means still leaving the EU with in, in an environment where we don't actually have a trade deal that is good for us and gives quite good access to businesses and capital markets and, of course, the financial sector as well, then we will be in a considerably worse position than we would have been otherwise. So in my view, it's not just no deal that needs to be stopped. It's also Brexit itself. Second referendum or revoke Article 50? Either of those. But, of course, the politics will intervene. So I think we are going to have to probably go through some form of general election, which maybe will make these things clearer. Vicky Price, thank you very much indeed for talking to your all-out economic series number 18. I've enjoyed it very much. Thank you very much.